If you have Christmas decorations up at your house, there's a good chance that somewhere written on a stocking or a tree or an ornament, you have the word joy. Joy is sort of printed all over the place right now, right? I walked into Academy this week and it had joy written on the post uh, when you're walking in. I guess they thought, you know, when you buy something here, you're going to have joy. I don't know. Joy is a common phrase, and I I looked on my Spotify app this week just looking for a a playlist, kind of getting ready for uh, working on this sermon, and thought, well, I want a a playlist about Christmas joy songs, and here's what came up. There was a playlist, uh, Up on the Housetop, Run Run Rudolph, Feliz Navidad, Jingle Bell Rock, Holly Jolly Christmas, and on it goes. Those are all... Great songs, fun songs, right? Uh, They're happy songs, but they actually have nothing to do with joy. I want to talk this morning about biblical joy. Let's turn together to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Go to the Old Testament right toward the end of the Old Testament. Listen, if you're new to the things of God, you're just learning to read your Bible, don't be ashamed to look at that table of contents and find it, all right? As you're turning there, let me say good morning to those of the North Katy campus. What an honor that we get to open God's Word together today and dive into what the Scriptures have to say. Good morning to those in the courts as well. We're thrilled that we can join in all of our venues today as we open God's Word and celebrate this Christmas season together. And speaking of that, thank you to all of you who served so well in our Christmas blast this last Wednesday. It was an amazing time at the Central Campus, but I saw a lot of our North Katy friends as well. A lot of our neighbors came, and we we had more than we've ever had. It was hard to count, but there were a bunch of folks. I know we ran out of hot dogs in 45 minutes, and that was uh, 2,500 hot dogs. So either some of y'all are eating a ton of hot dogs, or we had a... We had a great crowd. It's an amazing time together. I want to remind you about our Hope for the Home, Hope for Your Home uh, Gospels of Luke that are available to you. You can take those free, but don't just take them and put them in a closet or in a drawer. Take them and give them to your friends, neighbors, uh, coworkers, fellow students, whoever it is around you. We get to share the Word of God with others this Christmas season. I hope you will. Now, some background on this series. Uh, We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And if you recall, we saved three for the month of December, love, joy, and peace, because we talk so much about them this time of year, don't we? Galatians 5, 22 through 24, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So God has given us, by the power of his Holy Spirit, the bandwidth to live these attributes out. And the second, of course, is joy. This Greek word for joy is actually a word that shows up all through the Christmas account. Uh, Luke chapter 114, when the angel uh, tells Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist, he says, there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. Same word. Matthew 2.10, the magi see the star. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Luke chapter 2 verse 10, when the angel of the Lord spoke to the shepherds, said, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. 
that will be for all people. So it's a pretty significant word at Christmas time, apparently, this idea of joy. But it's not because it's a reason to set aside our problems and to roll out the holly. That's not what it's about. On the contrary, joy is custom made for people who are hurting. Did you know that? And, and can I show you how? So in Habakkuk chapter 3, we see something very important. Habakkuk, remember, is a prophecy about dark days in Israel. It's talking about invasion, of loss, of poverty. But it ends with the opportunity for joy. Habakkuk chapter 3, I want to read to you beginning in verse 16. You look on as I read to the end of the chapter. Watch this. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. We usually start the most famous part of the book of Habakkuk, the passage right after that. But I want us to hear the contrast. It's very important. But then what does he say? Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. Now, I'm going to pause one more time. And I want us to really understand what he's writing here. Because we might read that and say, well, what he's saying is if things get bad. I mean, we can understand there's no fruit on the, the fig tree. and uh, we, we have uh, no fruit on the vines. We have no olive crop. But in the, in the days in which this is written, what he's describing is a death sentence. Do you understand? All the sustenance is gone. I'll tell you something else he's describing. He's not just describing something that might sort of happen. You know, if everything got worse, it's hypothetical. He's been talking about war, invasion in the nation. And when war takes place, when war ravages the country, what happens is th this doesn't become just this idea anymore. This is not theory. Uh, it destroys the crops. It cuts down uh, the fields and the trees. And and the animals are let out of their pens because of the invasion, do you see? And so they've lost everything, and they have very real reason to fear in this stage, do you see? And this is followed by this powerful proclamation in verse 18. Look at what Habakkuk says. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I want to repeat that verse. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And then he says, the Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights for the choir director on stringed instruments. In this passage, this Old Testament passage, I believe Habakkuk gives us some very important secrets of joy that is, demonstrate a different kind of joy than generally what we think about or honestly sometimes sing about this time of year. A joy that means no matter what you're walking through right now or what you will walk through, God has provided us with a joy. Remember Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. 
So, so God has given us the capacity for joy. No matter what you're walking through, you can experience joy this Christmas. Can I share with you three secrets of joy? They're all found in verse 18. The first is the very first word, yet. I want to talk about the secret of yet. <laughs> yet I will celebrate in the Lord. Now, the yet there, you can already tell from context, is not like um, uh, uh, not yet uh, in the context of time. It's talking about yet like even so. Uh, Habakkuk lists all these dangers coming, and he says, even so, even so. But I want you to know, I don't even think he's saying, here are all the dangers, and even so, I will, I will rejoice in the Lord. He's saying, you have to go back. That's why I want us to read beginning in verse 16. He's saying, this is how I feel, and even so, I'll rejoice. Now, this is big. This jumped off the page for me. I hope it does for you. Look back at verse 16. Same conversation. It says, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Folks, this is so important because it shows Habakkuk isn't just living carefree. Uh, he, he knows what's at stake. He doesn't say, well, all these dangers are happening, but I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going to focus on the good, and I have this joy. No, I love that the CSB translates this first part, I trembled from within, because uh, some translations like the NIV say, my heart pounded. And, and that gives us a, a great picture, but it's more than that. The word used here is, uh, in Hebrew is intestines, we're working overtime. That's what he literally is saying. He's literally saying, my bowels trembled. Then he says, his lips are quivering. What does that mean? He's crying. And, and, and his knees are knocking. Do you see that? He is overcome with emotion because he's not ignorant to what all this means. He knows what's coming. He sees the lay of the land. And it's, it's, it is, it's stirring in him. And yet, he chooses to rejoice down in verse 18, to literally embrace joy. This is why this is so important to me, and I hope it is to you. Simultaneous emotions are possible and necessary. Did you know that? Simultaneous emotions are, 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 are necessary. Sometimes we get the idea that what we need to do is we have this sadness, our heart's broken, we're walking through some difficult things, we've got to... Stuff that emotion, and we need to come over here and embrace joy and put on a happy face. That's not what Habakkuk did at all. Habakkuk felt disturbing. He hurt. He was heartbroken, and he was joyful. Do you see? That's so very different. The two emotions are not mutually exclusive. You see? Um, He's saying this stuff is real and it's heartbreaking, but this reason that I have to be heartbroken is also uh, coinciding with this deeper joy in God that is just as real at the same time, and I don't have to choose. You see? There's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. Uh, our, our youngest daughter, Lily, has had a lot of medical problems, and so we spent a lot of times hundreds of hours with Lily in hospital, waiting rooms, hospitals, 
or doctor waiting rooms, and almost all of them in children's hospitals or children's doctor's areas have uh, playgrounds or play areas for kids. And I have to tell you, if you've ever been in there, at first it's almost jarring to see very ill children or suffering children playing with blocks or cars or games. But at some point, you see, these little children learn to live in two worlds at once. Uh, they, they are not faking at playing, and they haven't left behind all the challenges they're facing. And you see, in the same way, God gives us a joy that can exist in the midst of difficulties. It's not reserved for after the difficulties. It's not instead of the difficulties. It's in the midst of the heartache. Do you see? And I love that God gives us that gift that we don't have to choose one or the other. God has given us the capacity to navigate all of these emotions at one time. The secret of yet. Now, secondly, I want you to see the secret of will. Of will. Notice that he says this twice in the same verse, verse 18. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Do you see? Rejoicing isn't found in faking like your circumstances are great. Rejoicing is found in making a decision, a decision, a determination to find joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Circumstances were not changing for Habakkuk. Joy is not found in the, the absence of problems or you're not going to have many days of joy. It's found in a change in perspective. And, and again, I love the riches of this particular passage because if you look back at verse 19, Habakkuk says something that he's actually quoting another passage. He says, the Lord and my Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. If you read through the Bible, that might sound familiar because he's quoting exactly Psalm 18:33. That is a psalm of David. And it says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. Now, we know when and where David said that because it actually says at the beginning of the psalm, this is found when David uh, is at Ein Gedi and he has escaped Saul. And so we know it's found from the account in 2 Samuel 22, and not to bore you, but the exact same quote is found there. David says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. Now, if I could take you to Ein Gedi today, been there many times, you can look up at these rocky hills in the wilderness, these, these, these hills, and you recognize that David has gone up in these caves. He's escaping the army of Saul in these caves, and he's hiding out in these places. But you know what else you find all around the mountains of Ein Gedi? You find these ibex, these, these uh, deer, kind of goat-looking deer that can go almost anywhere. They can, they can almost scale a vertical wall. I mean, it's an extraordinary animal. And, and David is saying, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. What he's saying is, he's in the midst of struggle and heartache too, but he's saying, God has brought me to the heights where there is safety in the heights, just like almost anywhere in the ancient world when you can get higher to higher ground, you're in a safer place. But it's also a very dangerous place, right? Because you're in, in some really precarious angles and you're on cliffs and there's loose rocks everywhere. And he's saying, it's just like that deer, God has set me firmly here. And, and that's what takes place. We understand, we go through difficulty and heartache, and I'm not talking about you have a bad day. 
I'm talking about an event takes place that sort of throws you a life curveball, and you're trying to figure things out. He's saying God takes me to a different place, a unique perspective, and it feels precarious, but God also gives me security in that place. And I rejoice in that because I have a different perspective about this whole thing. Do you see? So three places in the scripture with the exact same wording. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He sets me securely in the heights. Three places in two, David finds shelter in the, hill, the hills of this rocky outcropping in the wilderness. In one, Habakkuk is in this figurative wilderness of uncertainty, where some of you are. And Habakkuk is saying, God's going to take me to a higher place with a different perspective than I have ever had before my suffering. But he's going to keep me safe in a very dangerous place as I trust him. And he's going to give me a different way to see everything that's going on such that I can actually find joy in the midst of this. God has placed him in the heights. Folks, no one wants to be in a place where you're, you're experiencing hardship. None of us do. But when we do, there's an opportunity to see a bigger picture that you, you really can't see until you're walking through those things, can you? Let me give you a Christmas example. When Mary told, uh, is told that she's carrying the Christ child, she went to visit Elizabeth. Remember in Luke chapter 1, she broke out in song. I'm going to spend the Christmas Eve service talking about that song and you might think, well, of course she's praising God. Of course she breaks out in song. But there's more to it. It seems wonderful that she gets to carry the Son of God, but it brings with it lots of heartache for Mary. Do you see? We underestimate the challenge of her accepting that plan. Most around her would have assumed adultery, and so she's engaged but not married. That could mean the death penalty according to the law. Beyond that, Mary and Joseph are living in Nazareth, it's estimated that the town of Nazareth, you can go to the ruins today and it's a pretty large town around those ruins. The, the, the population of Nazareth around the time of Christ was about 250. Anybody here from a small town? How does, and secrets are so well kept in small towns, aren't they, right? No, you think, uh, how many people out of that 250 knew about Mary being pregnant and not married? Uh, 250, right? So you, you think there might have been a little bit of gossip surrounding Mary, some challenges that she was facing? So in Luke 1, Mary mostly in that prayer of praise mirrored Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. But she also repeats this text. Habakkuk chapter 318, and she says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You see, Mary went back to this promise from Habakkuk, and she's rejoicing, but she recognizes no matter what happens, I have reason to rejoice. Mary chose to rejoice, not because all that she was about to endure, but because she had every reason to know that God's plan was in motion. The longer you live, the more you realize that Christmas can be a difficult time, can it? For people going through dark days or loss, it almost becomes a contrast where it seems like everybody else is having fun and you're walking through the difficulty. And of course, that's not true. There's many people walking through difficult times. I remember one Christmas Eve when I was a, a kid, uh, the neighbor's house, like three doors down, um, burned to the ground Christmas Eve. And we stood around helpless as they watched all their worldly possessions go up in flames. And we had an opportunity to love that family with the love of Christ. But it was a reminder that Christmas isn't always about silent nights and silver bells, is it? 
No, it's about something better, that God himself invaded our dark world and our difficulties, and he came to us. That's why we sing Emmanuel, God with us. You see, when you actually understand, when you understand the actual account of Christmas, it actually gives you reason for a different perspective and a reason for a deeper joy. Let me show you one more secret here. We've seen the secret uh, of yet. We've seen the secret of, of will. I want you to see the secret of in. <laughs> of in. He says, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. That same text that Mary repeated. Joy is found in the object of your affection, not in the circumstances. Joy is found in the object of your attention, not in the circumstances. The source of the joy is in the God of my salvation. He doesn't say I will rejoice that there's going to be no fig trees, no fruit on the vine, the, the flocks are going to be out of the stalls. He doesn't rejoice in that. He rejoices in that which is unchanging. He rejoices in the one who doesn't change. If you go to England today, uh, and you, you're, you're probably going to make the tourist uh, trip to either Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle, do you know that you can always tell when the queen is in residence? Because the royal standard is flown only when the sovereign is present. Otherwise, it's the union flag. If the union flag is flying at those places, then the queen is not in residence. You know, it's been said that joy is the flag which is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there. Joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there. We don't fly joy the flag of joy because everything's great. We fly the flag of joy because we know who is in us. You see? Jesus talked about this in John 15, 11. He's just told the disciples to remain in his love and keep his commandments. And then he says this, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. What does he mean that your joy may be complete? It's found in that same preposition, in. My joy is in you. You see, I, I will remain in you. You'll remain in my love. And, and he's saying it's complete because it's lasting. It's deep. Let's be honest. You can get joy from other places besides God. And that's okay. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly Watch, provides us with all things to enjoy or to have joy. It's okay. You can find joy in your family. You can find joy in health. You can find joy in wealth. You can find joy in accomplishing hard things, in serving or in loving relationships. Those, those can be joyful. Those are great. But what? As long as we have this reminder, that joy will not last. Why? Because you're eventually, you're going to lose those things. You or your loved ones are eventually going to pass away. Your health is fleeting. Some of you are thinking, Merry Christmas to you too, Pastor. <laughs> it's just a fact. But hey, if we believe in Jesus Christ and we understand the promise of heaven, 
then those things passing away, those aren't tragic because our hope and our joy are found in the Lord. Do you see? You see the difference? Jesus said, so that my joy may be in you. And that joy is constant because God is the source of the joy. It never changes, and therefore circumstances cannot take your joy away. Listen, if you focus on your circumstances, your joy is going to fluctuate like the stock market all the time. But if you focus on God, you can find joy in any circumstances. Of course, this is the example Jesus gave us when he went willingly to the cross for us. Hebrews 12, verse 2, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, why not begin that relationship with him today by trusting him, trusting that he has paid the penalty for your sins? For all of those who have already trusted Christ, if you're walking through hard times this Christmas, do you know that you can still have joy? You can still have joy because your joy can prevail even in the midst of sorrow. Because your joy is based not in circumstances, but on your decision to rejoice. Because the object of your joy is a God who does not change. And that's reason to rejoice. Would you bow with me, church? I want to pray for us. And then we'll have the opportunity in each of these rooms to respond as God leads us. Our Heavenly Father, I'm aware today and been praying this morning for those who are really hurting right now. And Father, maybe it even feels odd almost a juxtaposition to be singing about joy and Christmas with the, the broken hearts that they brought into this room or, or that they carry with them as they watch today from home. But God, thank you that you can meet us where we are. We don't have to fake it to have joy. But God, we can bring our broken hearts to you. And so, Father, I pray especially for that man or woman who's walking through hard times. Lord, would you would you remind him or her that they can experience joy today? Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are trying to walk through difficult times without knowing you, God. I pray that today would be the day of relationship, of them becoming a part of this, this family of God. Would you, Lord, lead them to respond? And Father, I pray for the rest of us. God, I pray that you'd give our hearts, a tender place for those around us who might be hurting, that we might minister to them. And Lord, that we could impart upon them a deeper place of joy. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.